Well, it hasn't happened yet. I'm Brian. This is Isaac. And CJ's not with us. CJ's in the process of moving, or maybe has already made it to, uh, to Durham to start the uh, the grand experiment of of, of Divinity School. Uh, I, I, I like to think that the pod is what caused this calling to happen in CJ's life. He just felt he just felt like he needed that extra like level of theory and theology to to keep up with the with the pod. Uh, what oh, thoughts man. on that? <laughs> I mean, if if that's true, then we've done a terrible act of violence. <laughs> I know, to CJ. I know. We should definitely be canceled if that's the case. <laughs> yeah, getting uh, we're can- self canceling for um, convincing CJ to go to to go to seminary. Even though I will say, I said don't do it. That's when CJ. That's when CJ cut you off of the group text and just started texting with me uh, individually. He was like, and I was like, "Yeah, do it. It's awesome. You're gonna love it." <laughs> I'm telling you, that's uh, that's when y'all both decided not to be friends with me IRL. <laughs> yeah, when we both literally drove through Knoxville and didn't stop. <laughs> well, yeah. I will say the the reason I didn't stop that time uh, on my way back is because it was literally during the recording time of the podcast. So, um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, not the point of today's of today's uh, show. <laughs> we I do before we get into the point. Want to bring up uh, plug a couple things. We are going to do a mailbag episode yes. at some point in the future, like in the next few weeks, if we get questions. And if you want to submit questions, submit them to cancelbag at gmail dot com, and uh, we will talk about them on the pod. So cancelbag at gmail.com. That's going to be in the show notes. Tell your friends that we are ready to hear from our amazing listeners. And I might get, I might get a thing for the soundboard uh, that'll be like cancel bag or something like that. So we'll, we'll make it real special. It'll be, an, it'll be an event. Wow. Yeah. And I might bring... Uh, we might redo the Bane soundboard in an actual episode that airs instead of go. getting deleted. I mean, I've got eight buttons here. We, they're just lying and uh, I don't even know what they do. The other announcement, though, is that by the time you're listening to this, I will no longer be the pastor of a local church, which means the gloves are coming off, folks. Oh, I can uh, finally post about the podcast publicly without fear of getting fired and impoverishing my children. So I'm um, going to be promoting the pod. Please like and subscribe. We'd like to uh, you know, take down the liturgists and they can make 300 grand a year on their podcast, then surely we should be able to make 500. Yeah. Because uh, we've got student debt to pay. I mean, I would be happy with 75 divided by three and some taxes. I mean, that, that's that's a little... We could we could live, live off that for at least a little bit. And all seriousness... get more tattoos. Yes, exactly. That's what we need, the tattoo fund. I, you know, uh, this does... This will, of course, increase my... Uh, Anxiety about getting ordained. <laughs> the fact that the gloves have come off because I've already felt like we were already uh, we are already there. So I'm 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 both hopeful and nervous about the future. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. It's not like my takes are going to get hotter. How could they possibly? It just means that I'll claim the podcast publicly, and oh. I haven't really been doing that. Fair <laughs> so. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> well, so I, I guess I just need to get a job at a bank or something, and then we can really. Uh, uh, we can really just go all in on this. <laughs> I guess, yeah. All right. So we're coming to you today with some hot goss in the evangelical world because who who doesn't love that? Brian, first of all, as a White Sox fan, how happy does this story make you? 
Yeah, I mean, I was I was trying to figure out if I was going to bury the lead about the fact that it involves a Chicago Cubs star uh, or former star. Uh, that it kind of just, it was just that much sweeter. You know, I don't want us. I probably don't want us going digging around the closets of uh, of many of the of the White Sox players either. But this one, yeah, that was just like that was just like the extra little like. Mm, there it is. Uh, real, just a great thing. I can't remember when you send this to me, but just put that extra bit of a smile on my face when I found out it was actually a, a Chicago Cubs former player. So let's tell folks what what exactly is going on here. Uh, Chicago Cubs player Ben Zobrist, uh, 2016 World Series MVP, was married to Juliana Zobrist, who's apparently a Christian music artist. Had no clue, but that is absolutely hilarious to me. She looks like uh, Faith Hill's uh, like stunt double. That's kind of the, yeah. the that's the that's the the vibe I'm getting just looking at the article. <laughs> yeah. So apparently, in uh, recently, she, unfortunately, Ben and, and Juliana's marriage has been canceled legally. They're getting divorced, and uh, some details have come out because the the like divorce filings have become public. And this is an important detail because Juliana Zobrist on her Instagram was like, things have been leaked. No, just like the paperwork for the divorce is public record. And so that's why this is news. Apparently, back in 2016, Ben Zobrist was uh, like Ben Zobrist's wife, Juliana, decided to have a $30,000 retirement party for the pastor of this evangelical church she attended whose name is Byron Yawn, Y-A-W-N, literally a pastor name with the last name Yawn. You cannot make this shit up. It, shout out also to Father uh, Bliss Spiller that <laughs> Byron Yawn goes into the pantheon of great pastor names on this podcast. Um, but she threw him a party when he retired from being the uh, pastor of Nashville's Community Bible Church and apparently, uh, she used the they like threw the party at, at their farm, and she paid for it out of the farm account, so that she, that her husband Ben wouldn't know that she spent thirty thousand dollars on the party. But then at the party, when they were like crunk, uh, she and this pastor apparently started grinding on the <laughs> dance floor. <laughs> I mean, it's a tactical so, error. Just going to put it out there. The, the tactical error happened here. But yeah, keep going. Yeah, I read even more incredible details into this. So like, that's when Zobrist began to think that something was up when his <laughs> wife was like backing it up on uh, Pastor Yawn. Here's the most incredible <laughs> detail though. Apparently they've been having marital problems and Pastor Yawn was their marital counselor oh, and also the executive director of a charity that Ben Zobrist had founded. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, maybe when you live a life of such ex- excess and or you just have that much money that you can't... I feel like if I walked into a party... I would immediately know that if it was at the thirty thousand dollar range, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like if I walked into my like wife's like graduation party when she graduated from uh, with her master's degree, like I walk in and it's like oh, this doesn't seem right. Like we hosted it at the church and it was just like us and a sheet cake. But I, I feel like that would be like the first thing I'd be like, hmm, something might be off here. But anyway, I mean, if it takes getting intoxicated, your your uh, spouse getting intoxicated and backing it up on on the pastor, uh, maybe that's the that's it. But yeah, it's 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 shocking. <laughs> So uh, in 2018, 
So basically, Ben Zobris, like he, this guy, all right, had been a part of their lives since 2005. He was their premarital counselor in 2005. He would, did counseling for Ben Zobris several times between then and 2018 when he was battling anxiety. And then in 2018, as like things became difficult in their marriage or whatever else, uh, Jan apparently started like pursuing a relationship with Zobris' wife. Yeah. He sensed weakness, a true violation of the uh, of the therapeutic code, and so uh, they began like hooking up. She got a burner phone, and then basically, like all this time, Jan was like serving as Zobris, the Zobris like marital counselor. So he's like having an affair while he's also counseling them every single you know, every single week on how to fix their problems. So all of this led, came to a head in 2019 when Zobris like mysteriously and sort of like uh, without any information went on leave from the Chicago Cubs. He just takes a massive like... He basically takes like a month off from the season. At the time, no one knew why. Uh, And so... (laughs) But it's apparently because he, because Juliana had like admitted to him that they were in a relationship, or she had had an emotional affair with with Pastor Jan. But there's some there's some weird like timeline things with that though. There's like that happens in like May of 2019, right? No, no, or was it 2018? I can't remember. February. So they started having an affair in 2018. That's right. Okay. I was going to say, because she she bought the burner phone and the burner phone had like the messages and I guess some nude (laughs) pictures on it. And then she got rid of that and like shortly after acknowledging this. Okay, yeah, sorry. Keep going. Just making sure I got the timeline for the gossip here. But here's, this is even worse because, uh, so he, like basically Zobris did not report to spring training. And so he texts Jan, and I need to correct the record here because he did not, Zobris did not know at this point that um, uh, that Jan and Juliana were having an affair. She just had come to him and said that she wanted a divorce. So he doesn't report to spring training. And then he texts Jan, their counselor, was hoping to be at spring training, but can't leave yet. You should know that Jules told me she has spoken with a divorce lawyer twice. I care too much about my marriage and my family to be away during such a critical time. And then Jan, the guy that she's having the affair with, and this guy's marital counselor responds back, that's heavy, friend. Jan loves you and your family. Whatever you need, wherever you need to do, grace. Yeah, so I mean, even this guy wasn't just a total dirtbag like I think that he automatically gets a strike for for referring to himself as Yawn. That right there is just like we don't like Yawn loves you. <laughs> it's like there's red flag, red flag. <laughs> yes. So uh and then apparently in 2019, in May of 2019, Pastor Yawn's wife discovered his burner phone that he had been trading nudes with uh Juliana on. And contacted Ben Zobrist and told him about the phone and what she believed was an emotional affair. They filed for divorce. And then basically, uh, Zobrist took time off beginning in May 2019 and didn't return to the Cubs until September. So part of what the lawsuit is doing is that Juliana is like suing him for not fulfilling his baseball contract and hurting them, costing them $8 million. 
so yeah, this whole thing is just, it's just absolutely 100% an incredible evangelical story akin to like everything else that, you know, we've, uh, we've talked about on the pod. But Brian, where does this rank in the pantheon of recent evangelical scandals, uh, marital scandals for you? So we have, let's like we have Jerry Falwell Jr., right? Jerry um, Falwell Jr. What's the yeah. guy from Hillsong, New York? Um, Carl Lentz. Oh, that, Carl that, Lentz. That's yeah. one. Um, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of Carl, the Carl Lentz. Oh my God, I don't know. They're all so good. They all have such great, I mean, and, and just to be clear, I think we should like think like, the root of this is all based in kind of the bullshit purity culture stuff that they that they espouse. And so when it when it when it kind of like falls apart in this way or when it becomes um, you know, you you suddenly have a thing about, you know, somebody leaving their job and doing all this stuff. It it to me, that's where the it's it's not even humor, it's kind of like bittersweet almost because it's like it is funny, but at the same time, it's like, are these people like they're just lying. They're lying about everything. So anyway, whatever. Uh caveat there. Um, I don't know. To, to me, the Carl, the Carl Lentz one is. Now, I think Jerry Falwell is probably top. The Jerry Falwell one's just top because it's it's both of them kind of in cahoots. You kind of see that one coming a mile away. This is, I don't know, this this one is, I think, kind of far down the list for me only because I actually feel bad for Ben Zobris. I mean, this dude, I mean, I have no idea. I, you know, all sporting allegiances aside, it's like, I mean, you take that much time off from like, you know, uh, two years after you were the MVP of the World Series. It's like this obviously had some kind of emotional effect on him. And it was obviously something that was pretty devastating for him. And, you know, in, in retrospect, looking at how kind of his wife navigated and how she like, I, they say, coaxed him to return the Cubs to finish out his contract. You know, it's like there's so much kind of crazy, just like predetermined or uh, behavior in this. And so part of it makes me like pretty sad for them. So I, I don't know if I can rank it that high because, you know, the stuff with like Jerry Falwell Jr. is is just, that's just comedy. That's just go- comedy gold of like, as soon as you saw that picture of him with his pants unbuttoned, it's like, oh, this this train is go- off the tracks. <laughs> you know, it's like, we've, we've entered a new realm here. And even the thing with Carl Lentz, where he was like, he met this woman and he was, he wouldn't tell her who he was or whatever. And he was like, he had just like this very crazy, like manipulative relationship with this woman. All of this stuff is kind of just baked into how they think theologically anyway. Anyway, so it's like none of it is a surprise. This one, though, I think I might have the more empathy for than most of them, just because I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. You can correct me on that, but that, that I, I have a little bit more empathy, so I can't rank it too high because I just keep thinking about poor Ben Zobrist, <laughs> like texting Yawn and Yawn being like, "Yawn's got you, brother." <laughs> Grace, <laughs> yeah, Grace, that's heavy, friend. I, that's I love cool. it when I'm like. Cucking my patient <laughs> to respond to the news that he might be on to me and my affair by replying, "That's heavy, friend." But but it's just like I mean, you think about, I mean, I'm thinking about like Hannah Bowman come, who comes on the podcast and talks about accountability, right? And like to me, that's where that's like my, my next thought about this is like this idea of like there is no accountability for this stuff. These guys they kind of just get away with whatever they want half the time. And, and it becomes like a public kind of um, a public, uh, what would you call it? Um, but like, you know, they go up in front and cry and say they sinned and asking for, you know, to be redeemed or whatever. And it's just like, it just, it just starts to re- constantly repeat itself and repeat itself. And there's never any kind of like, there's never any kind of actual accountability for this. The perfect example would be Mark Driscoll popping back up into normal, you know, into normal uh, everyday theological. He's like suddenly relevant again. It's like, who gives? That dude should be gone. He should be gone for all the bullshit he did. But it's like, they just wait five years and they get to publish another book. So anyway, so that that's kind of where I go with this stuff is 
it makes me, it just makes me sad. I feel bad for Ben Zobras. Ben Zobras, come on the pod. Let's, let's, let's have a, let's have a real counseling session with you. Uh, we'll, we'll, we can, we can uh, bring you on into the fight corner. It'll be, it'll be cathartic. I promise. Oh my God. So here's the, I mean, for me, where it ranks, I mean, the Falwell scandal is like... That's got to be number, number one. one. Yeah, it's number one. Yeah, number one all time. <laughs> you got pictures of him like doing hip thrusts in the weight room with co-eds on the bar. Yes, it's like this dude was just fucking out of control. Bar. <laughs> yeah, well, and then also there's the whole bit about basically his wife being a predator <laughs> as well. Like, yeah. But to me, the thing that makes this one unique is the guy was like this, was this couple's marital counselor at the same time. I mean, and to me, that's like, I mean, it's so creepy. It's so manipulative. It's like unbelievably unethical, obviously. But like, to me, that's what makes it like so insane, but also so typical of of like the evangelical church. But there's more to this actually that I want to get into because the other thing about it is that he was also like the executive director of this... Uh, uh, nonprofit that or this charity that Zobras developed called Patriot Forward Charity, Sorry. incredible name. Yes, <laughs> uh, which <laughs> which Zobras founded to promote mental health among athletes and help them transition once their careers are over. But first of all, why does this sound like it's a thing for troops? Yeah, I was just <laughs> saying, why Patriot? That's just one of those things. Like, what's really going to put this over the edge? Yeah, I think if we had like an eagle, like a wolf jumping through an American flag with some lightning and call it Patriot Forward, that's just really right. going to get it going. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm looking I, it up I don't right even, now. I don't even understand like what the notion is here. Like Patriot Forward, like all... I mean, I guess at this point, he baseball is like so baked into the military industrial complex and promoting it constantly before and during games that like the baseball players are... The white baseball players see themselves as troops. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, ex- <laughs> yeah. that's exactly what this sounds like. Well, I mean, I, I'm um, just looking it up on uh, the Cause IQ where you can kind of figure out different. It's a private foundation. And yeah, just what you said, aimed at caring for the general well being and health of the professional athlete. Through specific initiatives that they don't name, the charity hopes to make advances improving the mental health of professional athletes, educating players for the improvement of their domestic of their domestic context, and offering intensive consultation in the transition to life after professional sports. It's on its face, probably not a bad thing, but it's weird. Uh, Patriot Forward, yeah, Patriot Forward. So he was Jan was the executive director, getting paid thirty five hundred bucks a month. At the same time, Zobrist was tithing. Ten thousand dollars a month to Jan's church, and paid like another ten to fifteen grand to fund a quote unquote pastoral trip for Jan and his family. This is also another classic uh, pastor move where you get your congregation or some rich person your congregation to like pay for your trip to the Holy Land or something. Like I know a couple pastors who have worked this worked this grift at basically every appointment they've gotten, where they're like, "Hey, uh, I want to go X place." And I like it's a part of my calling, so you better pay for it. So this Jan was just like apparently a Sith level puppet master over Ben Zobrist. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's but what in, it looks uh, like. And in 2019, well, for forward charity terminated. They basically fired Jan, but he somehow continued to fraudulently receive salary checks until May of that year. 
Well, the, um, I mean, the farm account, the farm account, probably, uh, he's not looking at the farm account. I, I just, sorry, I just pulled up a different article. And here's something we didn't say, too. Jan even counseled Zobris to, quote, give his wife some space. I mean, this guy is just a dirtbag trash. Like, that's all it is. Anyway, just give his wife some space. Just, and this is what I don't understand about this stuff is like, I mean, maybe I'm just naive because there's so much power and, and, and stuff related in having these positions. But at some point, it's just like, damn, don't you realize like how much is at stake for what you're going to lose in these sort of situations? Just be like, I'm getting divorced and then wait a couple months and then be like, okay, Yawn, Yawn's going out with Julie now. Uh, Yawn and Julie. Uh, I, I, I just, maybe I just have a fundamental like just break in, in kind of this sort of uh, a naivete or something. I don't know. But sorry, it's just, it drives me, it drives me insane when I read things like this. Well, the whole thing is nuts because now it's like, and in Zobra's court filings, he says that Juliana would spend $24,000 a month in discretionary income. And like, and uh, in response to that, Juliana claims that Ben has perfectionist tendencies that resulted in him being an overbearing and controlling spouse. Throughout their marriage, husbands struggled with mental health issues that included manic tendencies, depression, anxiety, melancholy, and thoughts of suicide. It's like, it sounds like just an absolutely horrible dynamic. Yeah. For everybody involved. And somehow the person that they trusted... Uh, not only to like encourage them to get married and like how to set up a like healthy finance, you know, a, a healthy marital dynamic was also contributing massively to this sort of toxic environment that both of them created. But just to like get everybody's timeline right, the uh, lewd dancing was in December 2018. So after they had begun having an affair, but before Zobris found out about it. And here's the crazy thing. If it was a retirement party for him, this pastor has got to be like 15, maybe 20 years older. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like he's got to be in his like freaking 60s or something. I mean, the timeline is weird. And, and again, this is where it's just like... He's 51 years old. Okay. And so she's probably 40 if she's the same age as Zobris. So... Yeah, I mean, but I mean, you know, who knows? I mean, there's, I almost said the heart wants what the heart wants, but that's not She's 36. Okay. She's 36. So he's almost 20 years older than her. I mean, if we're laying, I mean, I don't know. I I don't know if we're trying to lay blame. They they all seem pretty, pretty at fault in, in, in what's going on. But it's like, I mean, it's like, it's like rule. I don't know if it's rule number one, but it's pretty damn high up there. And for like for clergy and working in a church, this is like this ain't this is just not the shit that you do, right? Like this is like immediate. You're not a pastor anymore, type stuff. Um, and and I think just like even just like having sex with somebody who is in your church, like that. That's this. This is like so far above the manipulate the manipulation and trying to like hide it. Like it's it's almost it's just it's un- unconscionable. I mean, this guy. You know, I, the article I'm looking at right now is Yawn has left Community Bible Church, according to his lawyer. Well, it's like yeah, I I, I would hope so. I, I don't know. I, it's it's such a weird story, and and like I said, the more we talk about it, the more it kind of like bums me out. Um, it's like, I just feel like this cloud like lowering down on top of me because it's so. I mean, it's just like it's sad. It's like really sad that this guy, presumably, I mean, he marries a Christian singer. You know, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to paint him as the being. He he probably has a lot to do with it too. But it's just the whole thing is just really sad to me. And and I don't know. I don't know what to say. I'm. I'm my outrage is gone now, and now I'm just in, I'm melancholy. So. Well, uh, <laughs> Juliana Zobrist, first of all, 
She was on the Megyn Kelly show right after she started this affair talking about how to have more courage um, because she had just released a book called Pull It Off, Removing Your Fears and Putting on Confidence. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it's like... Uh, Pull It Off is broken into three parts that address the issues of authority, identity, and security to reveal the root issue of where our fears stem from. Juliana walks readers through how to maximize our true identities and lean into our unique gifts due to a grounded belief in our acceptance of others, our acceptance by God, and ultimately the acceptance of ourselves. So she's like also a grifter in this kind of like therapeutic deism that uh, so many evangelicals are, you know, and mainliners are are hooked on. But I guess maybe the last thing here to to kind of wrap it up is that when I went on her Instagram to do some digging here, uh, she posted a conversation with Anne Lamont this week. And you know, can we just stop talking about Anne Lamont, please? <laughs> There's a lot of Anne Lamont fans. I I mean I'll, I'll the her book, Bird by Bird is classic writing, but yeah, I there's a lot of I have I have some, yeah, anyway. Go on. <laughs> Didn't she have white lady dreads at some point? Uh, yeah, probably. Still yes. Does. Yeah. Yes, she does. Yes. Google image search. First thing that comes up is her with light white lady dreads. <laughs> this might be this might be the one that gets us canceled right here. There's a lot of Anne Lamott fans. <laughs> well, grow up if you are. Sorry. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, she's she's also a grifter at this point. Yeah, I mean, maybe not to the level of like Donald Miller, who I. Recently, you know Donald Miller, blue like jazz guy. Know that guy? Oh God, I didn't even. I, if you had asked me who who wrote that, I would not have been able to come up with it. Well, I, for some reason, like I was, I was. This is neither here nor there. But speaking of grifters, just scrolling through Facebook, and this thing popped up, and I and I had my uh, what do you call it the volume on. So when I stopped, it started auto playing this thing, and it was him. And I guess he's like a marketing. Like a marketing, he's like transitioned into this marketing thing. And it's like how to like, how to tell your story through marketing and stuff like that. So it's, it's a full circle. Um, I think he's like living the dream of all evangelicals at this point is, is, you know, start out getting that evangelical street cred and then move into like the real money making of like how to market your story uh, in business, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I would put them in the same, in the same bucket is the whole point is at this point, you kind of are living off of who you were as opposed to the, who you are now. So I think that we need to, uh, do an episode of like top our top 10 evangelical grifters and just like <laughs> really get into it. Like who's made the most money. We can like include the like 90 seconds in heaven okay. pastor. Yes. And like, we'll just, we'll just, uh, I think that's a future episode. Let us know folks in the mailbag if well, you want that. I, and, and to be clear, like Anne Lamott's not evangelical. I, I think Anne Lamott is more of like that traditional um, Joe Biden type, never Trump Democrat. You know, which is, you know, is what it is uh, at this point. It's kind of sometimes the same thing. But um, as far as like, you know, adhering to a, a philosophy that you can't see outside of. But I, I think so, just to clarify, so nobody thinks that we think that she's an evangelical, but uh, operating from the same kind of principles at times. So, yeah, that's probably, that's probably fair to clarify. But clearly she's like, sees that world as an audience for her. That's oh, why yeah. she's like going on Zobrist uh, IG. Okay, final thing on this. Uh, Forrest Crane and Company, Pastor Yawn's counseling firm, is on Twitter following no one and has 26 followers. <laughs> and uh, the only thing that they've tweeted, they have like four tweets. And one of them is a like coming soon, uh, a coming soon image that's out of focus. 
And it says, Forest Crane is a boutique consulting firm providing structure, strategy, and clarity to individuals, businesses, and nonprofits. So uh, that makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> anyway, um, we just had to like dip our toe in the uh, scandalous waters. I, I actually... I do feel bad for everyone involved, but they'll probably all go continue to be like wealthy and famous for the rest of their lives. So I yeah. don't feel too bad. Well, I mean, yeah, this is this becomes this is this is the, the part of the grift, right? The, the grift is like I get to be holier than thou, and then when I ultimately am shown to be hypocritical because. I am an actual human being. Well, in some cases, uh, I'm a human being though that that makes that is you know doing. I, I wouldn't call this normal human being, but I think it's abnormal to kind of that that purity culture uh, mentality is abnormal for what it means to be human. And so when you actually fall from grace from that, you then you get then you get that and you take the bump. But then you have the whole redemption narrative, and you get to write a whole another oh, yeah. book about that, yeah. and you get to get propped back up and to like look at what God has done in my life. And it's just all such bullshit because these people, most of these people are. Like predators, like they're legit predators, and yeah. they're preying on people not only in their congregations in this in this instance, but they're preying on kind of what you're talking about that like institutional Christianity type thing of of like you know there are people who will hear this, never believe it, or never hear this, and the next time um, you know she puts out a book, they're going to be right in line for it, and it's not going to matter. Um, it, it just basically gets erased, and it, and it's one of the things that's you know I think not to like not to go down like be cliche about it, but it's, it's the thing that's, you know, obviously one of the things that's frustrating about, about evangelicalism is the fact that it's just, they don't really actually stand for any of this shit. Like the leaders don't half the time. Um, but it's like, it's the kind of stuff that, you know, when you start talking about even just like mainline churches, like this is the shit that ends up dinging us. And, I, and it's not that the mainline church is perfect. There's tons of people doing stupid shit there too. But it's like, that, that's what gets so frustrating for me about this is that's like, there's no, there's no accountability for this at all. There's, nothing will happen to these people. Like you said, they're going to end up being wealthy and um, living in Brentwood, Tennessee as they are, as they currently were. And it's just, nothing's going to change. Anyway, that took a dark turn. Uh, <laughs> we well, didn't, I just, didn't mean to pause. I'm, well, I'm going to give you one of these. There we go. Uh, <laughs> a you it, yeah, you did it too soon though, because uh, I wanted to speculate on what song they were dancing loopy to. <laughs> Any guesses? Oh God. I mean, God, who knows? That's... December 2018, I'm going to look up the Billboard okay, yeah, charts. I'll look it up too. And we'll, we'll see if we can, we'll each come up with one. The thing is like, I want it to be like a Christian song, but of course it's not going to be. <laughs> no, there's no way. You're not like, uh, what are you like? backing that ass up to like freaking <laughs> Chris um, Tomlin <laughs> Chris Tomlin or like Jesus Freak okay actually you know what the, the number one hit in 2018 December 2018 was uh, Thank You Next by Ariana Grande so <laughs> maybe it was that there you go yeah that's perfect pretty funny um, okay so there we go <laughs> now we can have the transition <laughs> okay anybody who uh, does not care about sports we're going to talk about the NBA finals which concluded last night we're recording this um a couple weeks ahead but yeah uh if you don't care about the NBA we're going to discuss that but if you're about to log off uh don't forget to cancel bag at gmail.com we want to do a mailbag episode and shout out to our episode next week featuring uh pastor Lenny Duncan be on the lookout for that talking about his new book United States of Grace. Yep. So, word. All right, NBA talk. Brian, 
I'm, is this like the biggest NBA moment of the last three decades for you? Because you're adjacent to Wisconsin? <laughs> no, not, not at all. I was actually actively rooting against them. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Chris Paul believer. Uh, maybe not quite as much now. Um, we'll see what happens, what comes out, and if, if he's actually injured. But that's that's kind of the narrative that is like, if if, if people play poorly, they, they are like, well, he was injured. But he, he played terribly. Um, no, I mean, I don't know. It's one of those things of like, I love the NBA, so I'm going to watch it no matter what. And I really loved this year because these are not two teams that I expected to be there. Um, I would have, I would have really not liked a Nets versus Clippers series. Like that would have just bored me. Uh, as much as I like Kevin Durant, um, to me, so like I like the kind of like the parody of it, like the fact that two, these two teams that probably shouldn't have made it through this year uh, made it through. And so for me, like I really enjoyed it. Some of the basketball was super ugly. Uh, in a couple of these games, just ugly. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It was like, I just liked watching it from that point of view. But like, it was one of those things like I was, I realized about halfway, and I was like halfway through the game last night, I was like super tense. And I was like, I had my, my fist balled up because I wanted Phoenix to win so badly. And it was like, Brian, you don't care about any of these teams. Calm down. I was like, oh, okay. So that's when I started texting you about it. I was just like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to worry about this anymore. But yeah, it was, I don't know. I, it's, I did have a guy yell at me on the train this morning, like, go Bucks. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so that was uh, that was the one uh, the one thing that happened this morning. Uh, well, um, yeah, my takeaways were first of all, just to be like all the cards on the table. I wear Giannis's shoes, the freak ones, and they are extremely comfortable. <laughs> so thank you, Giannis, for that's making like, a very comfortable shoe. That's like a dad take right there. That's a, you can tell you're about right. You're, you got you got the kids at home. Is is uh, it's like listen? I like Giannis's shoes. Lots of support. Anyway. Keep going. Yeah, but um, <laughs> I mean, I I struggled because after I mean, I thought the Suns should have won the series. They were up to a you know pretty predictable loss in Game Three in Milwaukee, but I felt like they had a chance to win Games Four, Five, and Six. Yep. Uh, but Chris Paul apparently forgot how to dribble in Game Four. Have no clue what happened to him there. He just completely disappeared. And then in game five and six, like meanwhile, Devin Booker in game four and five scored 40 both times. And basically no one else for the Suns could really score. Aiden, who was so good in the in the buildup, like the Western Conference side of the bracket, and then in the first two games, completely fell apart. Giannis just like shut him down defensively. They put Drew Holiday on on Chris Paul in games four and five, and he could he just couldn't do anything. Yeah. And then in game six, uh, you know, Budenholzer was actually like, okay, now we're going to put Drew Holiday on Booker and Chris Paul. Chris Paul beat us. us, Right. Yeah. Like you're going to shoot 30 times. Perfect. And that's part of why I think I don't want to think that Chris Paul, there were so many times in those last three games where Chris Paul, who was like a notorious, like, control freak and an asshole on the court. Like people do not like yeah. playing with him. It's one of the reasons I actually love him. I, I was in, I was a, my first youth pastor gig was like 30 minutes away from where he went to high school. And I saw him play in high school a couple of times. And I love it because even in high school, he's like just like bulldog yelling at people. And I was like, Oh, I like this dude. Um, but it's like, but there were times there were during those games where he was not like initiating the offense. Like he was like passing to campaign yes. and like deferring yes. to these people. And that's the thing. Like, that's the reason where I was like, okay, is this dude hurt? Because you could also see there were times where he would have the ball 
and he would he didn't wouldn't shoot the three, but he would he would like hesitate, and they would just back right off of him. And so I, I just wonder if they knew he was hurt, or if the moment was too big. Like I mean, he might have choked. I it, that that part seems weird to me because I feel like these guys, most of these guys, don't get into the NBA unless they have that. Like you know, like I'm the best player on this court, and even if I've missed the last thirty shots, I'm going to take thir- the thirty first for the win. And I feel like he has that, but they they locked him up. I mean, they put you yeah. know when they put Holiday on him, and then that's what they like you said they put Holiday on on Booker. And once they did that, I mean, there were a couple times where it was just like Booker trying to get around Holiday. Like there's one towards the end of the game, Booker had the ball in the corner, and Holiday was just like right up on him, and Booker could like couldn't even get around him. Like couldn't even yeah. get around him to get a shot off. Um, and yeah. so basically, I think if Booker scores. You know, even well, a combination of Booker even like is halfway as good as he was in the last two games, and Giannis doesn't go all crazy making what seventeen of nineteen free throws. I know, like yeah. they they probably win that game. I I don't know. It's 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 crazy. It did seem like the Bucks might lose uh, near the end there and waste like a Giannis like masterpiece. I I kind of struggled with how to think about Giannis because he's so bad in the Brooklyn series. I mean, it, I thought that he just looked absolutely terrible at times, but he's really gone up a level. He figured a lot of stuff out in the Hawks series. And then, I mean, it, it's just incredible that he could even like come through that nasty uh, high breaks of his knee without tearing every ligament. I mean, yeah. I thought his season was over. And so, you know, all the credit to Giannis because literally no one else on the Bucks did anything last night until until Middleton hit that shot to put it up like 102.96. So yeah, I, for, I mean, it felt like the Bucks didn't really belong in the finals. I thought coach Bud was probably going to get fired <laughs> yes. if they lose to the Nets. Yeah. And, you know, I, I still like, it'll be interesting to see what happens because I don't think they're that good. Uh, long term, I mean, I don't think they're going to be the favorites in the East next year. I think it's no. going to be Brooklyn. Oh yeah, sure. I think clearly Brooklyn would have swept them if Harden and Kyrie had gotten hurt. I mean, Harden got hurt forty seconds into the series, so you know, and they still they still almost they were they were a toe away. If if, yeah. if Kevin Durant moves and he was Durant was so tired, like if Kevin Durant right. hadn't been like carrying that whole team, there's a whole different narrative to this because he gets his foot feet uh, his foot placement correct and he's behind the arc. He hits that shot, they win. So there's that. But yeah, I mean, the thing too, like this is the kind of what you forget about stuff like this is like with Coach Bud, especially you had Harden out there on the court with like one leg, like literally playing on one leg and they weren't attacking him at all. They were just like, oh, well, we'll just let him sit out there. You know, he's not going to hurt us. So there, there was some there was some tactical stuff. They stole one. I mean, they got it. I don't think there's an asterisk or any of that bullshit, but I think that they, uh, they, they got one. And, and I think that he got the, it might be the only one that he gets in in Milwaukee, unless he goes somewhere else, I don't think they're attracting anybody. But the on, on the other side, I think that um, you know Chris Paul. I like this is was I think this was his shot. Like yeah. short of maybe going yeah. to the Lakers next and just like basically jumping on a team and winning and stealing one that way. I mean, this was it. I, I I don't see them coming back either. Maybe five years from now, if they keep all their pieces, because I do like a lot of the young people, like the young players that they have. But you know, I, I don't see you. You had a kind of quintessential 37-year-old Chris Paul season this year that I don't think he replicates next year. It's just like, I think this was like that moment of like, he just didn't get hurt this year uh, like he right. usually does. So, uh, but I, I want to go back to Giannis real quick. I think that it's important to like, I, as much as I was rooting for Chris Paul and for the Phoenix to win, like 
you, you, you text me a couple times and saying like, yeah, you know, they're going to waste this Giannis game. Uh, you said that a couple times. And then this, this last night game, like nobody else had it, like you said. And no. he ended up with 50 points. I love that he got the 50 points on that last free throw because I was looking it up just now. Only six other people have gotten 50 points in a finals game. Uh, and the last person to do it was Jordan in uh, like 30 years ago against, against the Jazz. And so it's like, I don't know. That, I, I don't think it puts him up there. It doesn't put them up, him up there in this way of like, like I saw a friend of mine quote talking about how he's now the greatest and you know LeBron and Jordan uh, are taking a backseat. It's like, come on. Just what? stop. Yeah, I know. Just, I, I didn't even comment. Please I just, calm down. I just blocked oh him. God. I just blocked him and was like, yeah, we're not friends anymore. Um, <laughs> that is insane. But, but it's like, I don't think he's up there, but I think, I think that there's a thing to say he has done something in that series, even if it is against a team that wasn't like the Lakers at full strength. Um, but he did do something that puts him in some pretty rarefied air. I mean, yeah, it, yeah. it's, it's I mean, was- crazy. Yeah, I wanted to be mad about it because I I was rooting for the Suns. And I was like, at first I was like, you know, fuck this, the Bucks should win the title. Like Giannis is the only person that can do anything on the court. And then I was like, actually, it's freaking amazing that they won the title because he's the only person doing anything on the court. And he's like a good dude. He's like seemingly a good guy. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's there's that, and it's like that, and that, that goes back to me like being all stressed out about it. Like I like to tell myself that I'm not an irrational sports fan, but then again, I'm then I'm sitting on my on my couch at ten o'clock at night, like white knuckling the remote. <laughs> but it's like I don't know. It's like I heard on a podcast today, or somebody is like, you, you're not going to have anybody who's just who you know. You go to a bar and you hear somebody say, you know, Giannis, oh fuck that guy, I hate that guy. It's like nobody's going to say that, and so it's like fine, he won one. I feel the same way I did about his two MVPs. It's like. He'll probably the, the narrative will change, and next year we'll be back to Lakers versus um, Nets more than likely. Uh, you know and, what? I would have loved to have seen the the Lakers make it against the Bucks. I mean, oh I, yeah, that's to me. You know, I I don't know. I I know which podcast you're talking about. You yeah. listened to the Bill Simmons podcast earlier, but um, you know, they were talking about how oh Giannis is the best player in the league. I'm, to me, right now, it's Kevin Durant. Oh yeah, like Kevin Durant still outplayed Giannis in a big way, and. If the rest of his team is healthy, I think they walk to the title. Of course, now the Olympics could tarnish Durant's standing if they like don't medal. Yeah, <laughs> um, but still, yeah, I you know it. I I agree. Giannis is very likable. His shoes are very comfortable. <laughs> uh, even though he makes his wife run laps when he misses free throws in practice, uh, clearly it's working because seventeen or nineteen. I mean, who saw that coming? If he if he just does his normal fifty percent from the line, they lose that they, game. They lose, yeah, because they only they yeah. only won by six. And and he did yeah. it twice. He did it like oh, basically through the whole uh, like two games he hit like well two games ago he hit like seventeen of sixteen of seventeen or or something like that too. It was no, he 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 didn't have any numbers like he did tonight oh, from really? the line. Oh. He was like sixty percent in the series up to this point, which was oh, far better than he was in the net series where he was like twenty percent from the line. The, the funny thing about it is that as bad as he was at shooting free throws, he's still better than Ben Simmons. So, <laughs> yeah, who I, I read, I read, uh, I read a thing about him going possibly coming to the Timberwolves. I was like, that would be the perfect Timberwolves move to just, just like mortgage any future that we have, uh, and then place him again, you know, with uh, switch him out with D'Angelo Russell. It's like, okay, fine, whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, but Carl Anthony Towns and Ben Simmons, the two people in the league who, Seem to want to win, to win like least of any oh, yeah. other players. Like, I mean, I, I, I they never. Have a, oh, sorry. They have absolutely like no 
inkling that like, hey, the point of playing this game is to win it. Like, yeah. they just don't care. Well, I was never a huge Jimmy Butler fan until I went to a game and a friend of mine gave me tickets and so they were way better than I would normally get. And I was like down by the benches and just hearing Jimmy uh, uh, like yelling at them and being like, basically like, you know, calling them out for not wanting it uh, enough. And it's like, that's when I started liking him. Um, but it's like, yeah, he's, he's, he is what he is. He's, there's, I, I don't, I find, he's like maybe the most boring star in the entire NBA for me. I just, I don't find him interesting. And, and again, it's like, hey, he should like, look at what Giannis did in this series, which is like, stop trying to shoot threes, even though he is kind of a ridiculous offensive talent. But it's like, you're also a seven footer, like play inside. That's one of the two. That's another thing is that I really loved the fact that most of the people in the, these two games, um, uh, there weren't a lot of like three point kind of like shooters. Like most of the people that were kind of in the stars of the game were the get to your spot mid range type of shots. Uh, and then at some point, like you could make a claim that Milwaukee won because they 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 had that huge uh, you know huge lineup with with the freak uh, not not Giannis but the other freak um, Lopez who just always looks like he doesn't belong out there. Like he's just like a statue lumbering up and down the court. Um, yeah. But it's like they played these two like twin towers type game, and that's just something you don't see anymore. So I was. Excited about that too, just to kind of get out of the. As much as I love Curry and the and the Warriors, to kind of maybe think about how this, the game might look when we have some people who don't necessarily just shoot threes all the time. So, wow, Brian's doing a real old man. I, I totally am. I knew like halfway through it. I knew I knew you were going to say that, but I did like it. <laughs> all these damn three pointers <laughs> ruining the game. I okay. My back in my day, here. they didn't even have a three point line. <laughs> shot shot free throws underhand. Oh uh, God, yeah. The last thing I want to say is uh, anybody who's talking shit about Kyrie Irving, um, please stop. Kyrie Irving, I mean, I'm sorry, but just I'm triggered because <clears throat> of the Bill Simmons pod this morning about all this. He's talking about how insufferable it would have been to see Kyrie Irving win a game because he took time off from the, the Nets this year. First of all, Kyrie's incredible. Yeah. Um, He's just an unbelievable talent. But secondly, he's the only in like I to me, he's the only athlete who even remotely qualifies in the NBA as a leftist. Uh, I mean, his, his his politics and the things he does and the people he supports to me just make him unimpeachable. And like when he says that he's taking time away because you know the movement for Black Lives is more important than the NBA, like. I believe that that's what he was doing. Yeah. He's not just like flaking out. And yeah, he's kind of a weird dude, but he gets so much shit. I but the he's whole not texting fl- Pastor Yawn about he's marital not troubles. Texting Pastor Yawn. <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah. but the whole like the earth is flat thing yeah. was a bit. It was a bit. Yeah. And no and he did it to troll the media because he knew they would like go insane over it. And apparently no one in the media ever bothered to ask him like, "Do you really think this or like is this you making a comment about like what gets covered? Because yeah. that's absolutely what he was trying to do. He's trying to prove a point, and he and he did. But everybody ever since then thinks that he's some sort of psycho. And and I I guess I just want everybody to recognize not only how freaking good he is, but also like that he's probably the one of the only ones who doesn't just do like the typical nonprofit bullshit response to yep. to justice issues. So. Shout out Kyrie Irving. Everybody leave him alone. <laughs> leave Kyrie alone. Um, I yeah, I, I agree. I, I love him. He's 
you know, one of the best offense players. I mean, it's just from like for pure like handle, like watching somebody like control the ball. Chris Paul used to be that way until these last three games, but just watching somebody that can get yeah. anywhere he wants to go on the court is, and he's not a big dude. Like you look, he's, he's, he's like weirdly small when you look at him on like, compared to everybody else. But uh, hey, just real quick, you mentioned the Olympics. Do you have, I, I'm wondering if you have any, any Olympic takes. I've seen a couple from more like leftist people in my life about like, oh, I'm not going to watch it because of the nationalists, da, 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 da. I love the Olympics. I, I'm, I, this, is, this is one of my, my political perhaps breakdowns. I just love it because I love the summer events. I don't care much about the uh, who wins and whatever, but I do love like the track events and I love, uh, I always like the basketball and the, and the soccer and everything else. Do you have any, any hot Olympic takes? Or are you going to watch it? Uh, yeah, I like to watch swimming. My hot Olympic take is that the winter games are far superior to uh, the summer games because uh, I'll take I'll take figure skating over any of the summer stuff. Sorry, yeah. gymnastics. <laughs> no, my the thing I appreciate. I don't know. I the only time I feel patriotic at all is uh, watching like the World Cup and stuff. Oh, yeah. Like that's the only time that I will ever give a shit about being American. So I get. You know, whatever. the The best thing about the uh, the games is that China is absolutely going to stomp us in the medal count, like they always do. <laughs> I remember as a kid that used to. I just used to like to like live and die getting the newspaper the next morning and looking and seeing who had it because I'm old, so we didn't have the internet. But looking it up, be like, oh god, they're w- Russia's gonna win. <laughs> it's like it doesn't matter, dude. Calm down. <laughs> but yeah, I'm 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 psyched for it. I I you know the I'm glad it's not here. So. We don't have to deal with kind of that uh, aspect of the of the whole patriotism thing, but yeah, I love even though the women's soccer team lost for like the first time in forty four games uh, lost uh, last night. Um, you know, I I I love watching them. I love the gymnastics. I love track and field. So I, I'm definitely more interested in this than the uh, than the winter. But uh, yeah, it's, it's just it just struck me as one of those. I don't know if it's, if it's technically virtue signaling, but it is one of those things. Of like, just just calm down. Just that you can enjoy it for a week and a half. You can enjoy the fact that these are people who are, for the most part, not being paid and are like legit, like at the upper echelon of any of what they're doing. And and you can just, I guess, celebrate kind of the excellence of that is something that I always appreciate. And especially the swimming. I love the swimming because it because it, it is it does come with a certain amount of like suddenly everybody becomes an expert in like certain strokes. Mm-hmm. Like you don't you didn't know mm-hmm. this shit beforehand. Calm down. But anyway, I, I'm I'm psyched for it. Um I, uh, I, I was, I was watching old Olympic videos before we came on and stumbled across one of, of Mr. Bean in the uh, London, from the London Olympics where he's playing in the, in the symphony. Uh, and if you like Mr. Bean, uh, check it out. It's, it's, it was pretty damn funny. I'd never seen it before. So on that note. Uh, well, <laughs> one of the funniest things about the London Olympics is that Rowan Williams is like in all these shots from the opening ceremony, like in, in the private Queens box. Oh, God. And, uh, cause you know, He's the head of the Church of England, and so it it's really funny to see him like in that in that space. So I encourage people to Google image search Rowan Williams Olympics. Okay, I'm going to do it as soon as we get done. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, I think all takes have been revealed. Yep. Um, but as far as next NBA season, I would not be shocked if the Bucks do not make the finals. I'm going to call it now. Take. I'm going to call it now. Chicago Bulls win the, win the NBA championship next year. <laughs> You want to put money on it? Because <laughs> I'll take the field. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what kind of odds I'm going to get on that. 
Probably good. Probably I mean, good. I'll give you like a hundred to one because it's not <laughs> happening. All right, we'll see. Well, well, hopefully the podcast will be will be blowing up by that time. So we'll see. Uh, put a dollar on it. Hundred to one odds. <laughs> yeah, that Vucevic trade. I bet they'd rather have the draft pick. Anyway, all right, uh, we're done. <laughs>